0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliseau. And I'm Matt Snotty. And Matt, you uh, fashion yourself a bit of a musicologist, don't you?
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. I I, I enjoy music, yeah. I, I think... You were even a practitioner of music at one point, weren't you? There was a period of time in my life where, yes, I was a uh, rock and roll stage musician, and I still have a pair of leather pants somewhere. Yeah.
0: Do you understand how badass that is? I mean, beyond Uh, anything (laughs) IT or info, that is just, that is so cool. All right. So with that in mind... I want to ask you if you know who David C. Lowry is.
1: No idea. Should I know?
0: Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker.
1: That's not ringing any bells. Is this some Wisconsin thing?
0: No, these were bands. Those were bands. Um, Okay. And quasi rockabilly punk kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, and I, you know, I never listened to too much camper van Beethoven. I knew like one of their songs. Cause I think my brother put it on a mixtape for me, but I loved cracker cracker. And I, they only had like two albums. Um, uh, Is this just
1: like seventies, uh, early eighties punk type eighties
0: for eighties for camper and nineties, mid nineties for cracker. I think. Yeah.
1: OK, OK. So um, we've just lost three quarters of our audience right now.
0: That's OK. That, the, <laughs> the young kids have nothing to learn from us because all of our skills are atrophied. But I bring up David C. Lowry because he sent out a tweet that I think is my favorite of the month, if not the year, if not the decade. Uh, and he did okay. it this week. And I'm not big on the the tweetful stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I actually got this secondhand, not directly from Twitter because I don't subscribe or anything like that. But um, what he said is, uh, one of my older cousins gave me some good advice when I was 12. Never bring something to a fight you don't want shoved up your ass later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) and I think that is an incredibly solid piece of advice. I get echoes of David Mamet there with the you know the Untouchables, you know Sean Connery coaching Kevin Costner, you know you brought a knife to a gunfight kind of thing. You know, do you have any idea what what (laughs) what what David C Lowry was referring to or what the topic was when he sent that tweet out? Can you guess? What he was talking about, and what we 're going to talk about this week uh,
1: I, I I really don't know is there some some sort of an altercation or some some kind of a disagreement that's in the uh, the zeitgeist right now that this was related to um i i don't even know if it's a disagreement it's a
0: disinformation. The federal government of the United States of America has created the Disinformation governance board. Oh boy. Okay. Can you let that settle in just for a second? And <laughs> and what David C. Lowry was saying as a post-punk rocker was, you know, even if you think this is really nifty right now because you're a liberal, progressive, or a democrat or whatever you are, imagine that tool being in the hands of conservatives, Republicans, people who do not share your same concept or modality. And mm-hmm. what would they use that tool for? And can you ever imagine this going wrong, right?
1: Uh, uh, right, right, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a huge uh, First Amendment violation just on its face because- Just
0: the name of the fucking thing. Yeah, yes.
1: right, right.
0: Yeah. Um and I you know I this may be and you pointed out our ages at the beginning of this discussion. This may be symptomatic of our aging. But it's almost as if the past 5 to 10 years from my perspective have been satire.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that um, uh, some famous comedian said recently that uh, satire is dead. There's no one because nothing can be satirized anymore because real life already is satire. So, yeah, there's
0: there's no further. There's no other way to go. There's, yeah. you, you can't take it any further. Uh, and somebody smarter than me has pointed yeah. out, you know, Orwell and Bradbury were not supposed to be instructional manuals. Those were cautionary tales. Right.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, the uh as soon as you mentioned that, the first thing I thought of was yeah, of course the big one, nineteen eighty four, George Orwell. Um that that sounds like it's something straight out of out of that book. It sounds like the Ministry of Truth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it, right. it you know You've always been at war with Eurasia or whatever the, <laughs> the line is.
0: Exactly. And, and and it's so bizarre to me. You can tell. They had to search around for synonyms to ministry and truth to get to yeah. disinformation <laughs> governance board. You know, um, so right, I, right. It, it seems like you have not heard of this thing. Um, I, I'll just bring it. up to no, I, real quick.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Elucidate me.
0: This was created by the executive branch
1: uh, just this week. Um, and it's, and this is the the United States government to be clear. This is not like some small third world country. That's, it's not a former Soviet
0: bloc, you know, territory or anything like that. No, this is, this is our nation with our constitution. Okay. And it's under the department of Homeland security, which is Mm. another name. And that never really struck me as anything Uh. other than awkward.
1: You and I could probably have a big discussion about that because, yeah, I've always had a big, big problem with just the the, the name of a department that is protecting the country called Homeland Security. Yeah, the the, the naming is – I'm right there with you on that, yes.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. So this thing was created, and there are – there's about a dozen issues with it, the the first one being the thing you just said right away prima facie. Isn't this in violation of the Constitution? Doesn't this go right up against the First Amendment, where yeah. if the government can determine or state what the government deems as accurate or true, doesn't that fly in the face of what everybody else wants to say? Isn't it, you know, stepping on right. our, our rights of speech and expression? But from there, it only gets stupider. Uh, and, and I'm not quite sure how to take a bite of this, Apple, but let me begin with the fact that when they rolled out the announcement, um, they they published a statement. DHS published a statement saying this thing has happened. They did not okay. describe the mission of it very well. They did not describe its powers or its duties. They did name uh, the head of this new board. Uh, her name is Nina Jankowitz, and that's another thing. That's another issue we'll get to in a little while. Um, and they said that this is going to aid the U.S. in several ways, and they listed a couple of them. The the, the okay. now, now the first ironical part of this is after they published the statement, they did not respond to any press inquiries. For que- for questions, asking about it.
1: <laughs> well, that's always a good sign.
0: <laughs> if you're going to have a propaganda arm, you got to talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, right. that's the whole thing. So that was weird. The next thing that was weird about it, or the thing that at least I tripped over right away, was the justifications for creating this thing is kind of the same stuff we've been hearing for the past year and a half, which is... The internet is too full of untruths, right? Mm, and okay. and the statement from DHS said, "What we want to do is we want to uh, dissipate any um, questionable material that may come out prior to the elections this year." All right, mm. uh, that's a okay. whole thing. Then they said another big piece of the mission of this board will be to clear up misinformation that's being disseminated in Central American countries about U.S. immigration policy that human smugglers might be using as sales material, that they're trying to tell people in these Central American countries Something untrue about what it's like crossing our border in order to get them to pay the coyotes to smuggle them across hmm. uh, now that's a justification for creating a government agency can you Can you think of anything about that that just seems wrong uh, well uh, yeah, on on on? Any levels. <laughs> what, uh... My first question is, my first question is, assuming you are a government agency and that is your mission, how are you going to convince people who are willing to smuggle other people across a border to tell the truth? What possible right. tool do you have to make sure that the truth is disseminated properly,
1: right? Uh, particularly, uh, a, for, first off, U.S. has no jurisdiction over these days. but um, yeah. Second off, if they're already breaking the law, what, what what do they care about whether they're telling truths or lies or anything? Anyways, I mean, who, who cares if there's disinformation, information, whatever? And 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 then the first point that you brought up sounded political in the first place. Um, uh, You know, for preventing political uh, disinformation, which is all subjective as well. This is this has got many odd layers to it, and I don't really understand where it's coming from. And and it's weird that I'm hearing it from you as well. But of course, you're the bastion of of, of truth. Hopefully, the uh, ministry of disinformation doesn't crack down on this podcast. Oh,
0: I know I'm doomed already. Oh, I absolutely know I'm doomed. This is this may be our last episode. Now that the feds have yeah. decided to say what the truth is, um, uh, let me go. Let me go front to back. I'll start with the immigration thing okay. first of all. Like you said, if they're already a criminal willing to engage in human smuggling you're not going to be able, it's sort of like the war on drugs. Guess what? Drugs won. You know, I mean, right. And their customers, people who are willing to walk across deserts, to survive harsh conditions, to go without food and water and face privation. Those customers are not fact checking on the immigration website and if if in fact they were all you have to do to accomplish this purported part of the mission of this agency is update the website if here's Mm -hmm. the actual us policy (laughs) in english and in spanish that's it that's all you have to fucking do stopping a coyote from spreading misinformation is that's a that's an impossible
1: dream you know uh right and i'm curious as to what methods and techniques and uh, uh, the, uh, that they're going to use to to do this on top of that. I don't know. That just all seems really weird, Ben, that, that none, none of this makes any sense at all. It's completely but, uh, surreal. Yeah. Now,
0: the political thing I, I, I'll let's talk about that for just a second. There were there were two um, main topics of what was considered handling of information in the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections that have to do with the veracity of information and its possible impact to uh, democracy, the outcome, what have you. In 2016, the allegations were that uh, President Donald Trump was somehow connected to the Russian government and would be acting in their interests. And this was supposed to somehow uh, make uh, Donald Trump, the candidate, less appealing to voters.
1: Well, yeah, I don't want for my president to be a foreign agent, (laughs) so... (laughs) <laughs> so so if that bears out, then, yeah, I think that that would be a, a – a, 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 it'd be in the con and not in the pro uh, column, yes.
0: It, well, it, I don't know. It uh, uh, We could get there, too. But <laughs> the interesting thing about that particular situation was that after we've pulled all the threads and, – and these things take years to unravel. It was all based on a a piece of fabricated intelligence called the Steele dossier. I don't know if you're familiar with the P tapes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Steele was a contractor to, uh, I forget if it was directly the Clinton campaign or if it was the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. Uh, He was a former MI6 agent. He had created uh, material that was seemingly purported to be re- uh, Russian communication within their intelligence mm-hmm. community about how they had evidence of uh, Donald Trump with some Russian hookers while he was in Russia. And therefore right. they had leverage against him and could make him do anything they wanted to do.
1: Terms: right. The out- Russian term is uh compromat.
0: Yeah. Okay. Compromising yeah. material there you go. And, and, uh, use it to
1: blackmail somebody.
0: Exactly. And then they become your puppet. And once they do one thing, now they're in deeper because they can't pull back and extract, you know, it's one thing if the first time you try to blackmail someone, they say, screw you publicize it, you know, publish it, go for it. Right.
1: Uh, but once they, a very effective strategy,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, turns out Steele had invented this stuff. He had given it, Two, including other sources, the media and the FBI, the FBI ended up using one of the media reports on this fake dossier to then acquire a FISA warrant, the the secret warrants for investigating uh, intelligence activities in the United States, in Mm -hmm. order to open up wiretapping and surveillance of Trump campaign participants. So, in fact, this manufactured thing, this fake allegation, ended up having real world consequences and Mm -hmm. allowed um, an executive branch investigative service to actually watch the opposition candidate during the campaign, which is right. And I remember when
1: all this played out, but yeah, okay, yeah, so. And it's so, yeah. so to bring it back around though. So, the so the disinformation ministry of truth that uh, is protecting us is going to keep the things like this from happening or, or what? Now, there's a second
0: situation in 2020, right before the election in I think September or October.
1: Oh, are we the, going to talk about the Biden laptop?
0: Yeah yeah do you want to recap that that for the audience
1: oh uh gosh i don't i barely know any of the details but it supposedly hunter biden who is uh candidate joe biden previous senator joe biden now currently president joe biden his son hunter biden had a laptop um had it serviced at a, a a pc repair shop of some sort uh hunter biden never came back to pick up the laptop the laptop had some kind of uh, unsavory content that would uh, implicate him in, in something of some sort. Um, the Republican side jumped on it. Uh, and that's about the extent of what I know. All, all I know is that the laptop never existed or it never was found or it, th- th- there were lots of. Lots of accusations and finger pointing and and uh, uh summaries of what was on the laptop and nobody actually ever saw it or if it if it ever came to light, I don't know about it. I don't uh, that, that that's the extent of it but it was all about the laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop, yes. Correct.
0: And now and I'm gonna sidestep for the moment the veracity of the data, the forensic examination, how copies images were made. <laughs> backups. Uh, I'm gonna move away from that for a second because what I want to point out the distinction here is one of the images was given to a newspaper called the New York Post. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever heard of them. And I, I have, yeah. The New York Post did their own investigation of in the material, um, corroborated some of it, such as emails, you know, because an email has both a sender and a recipient. So they they went to the recipients of some of the emails that were from the laptop, and the recipient said, yes, I received it, and here's my copy of it, and that sort of thing. So they were able to establish veracity of some of it. They published a few investigative pieces, including cover stories about this laptop and its contents. And then the post, as they do with many of their Uh, lead stories, as all media outlets do with their lead stories, also tweeted teasers for it and links to the newspaper, because that's one of the marketing
1: things you do. You, You want some sensational headline so you can get clicks and eyeballs on your product, which leads to money and revenue for the paper.
0: Exactly. And all of your followers can find it in one place. It shows up in their stream that day and so forth. Now, here's the amazing thing that happened in the 2020 election, or the run-up to the 2020 election. Twitter not only uh, blocked and deleted those posts Mm -hmm. about that particular topic, that subject. They suspended the account of the New York Post, its official newspaper account on Twitter. and that's a pretty big deal. And the accounts of the lead editor and publisher of okay. the New York Post. You said it's a big deal and you recognize that right away. Why is that a big deal?
1: Well, Twitter's become one of the biggest social media platforms. It's it's the lead into these revenue streams that these newspapers rely on. So if you can't tweet um, or, or, or use that service, then yeah, you, you you lose a bunch of uh, views. You lose a bunch of money. Essentially, it's what it boils down to.
0: I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to say that if you're not just isolating certain posts, because maybe a post is just too much. Maybe the New York Post, which is famous for its inflammatory headlines, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and I I'm you know they're not springing to mind, but some of them are so famous that it's it's just
1: uh, they're like the I, National Enquirer, aren't they? They're, they're they're kind of a sensationalist.
0: They're like not quite sens- like the Enquirer because they don't do the bat-headed stepchild
1: thing. You know, <laughs> that's the Weekly World, World. News. Okay. <laughs> don't 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 mix up your uh sorry, rags. I'm a they're subscriber not- to the Weekly World News. I love the Weekly World News. Bat Boy lives.
0: Okay, <laughs> they're not quite like that. But they are the sort of thing that when they do a headline, they, they said something like, a headless man um, can't take a bite of the Big Apple, that sort of thing, you know, like that. I mean, it, okay. they, there's a lot of puns. Yeah. There's a lot of very racy or uh, uh, prurient kind of material there.
1: Yeah, and they focus a lot on the big names, the, the celebrities, the politicians, and stuff like that. They're, they're not a hard-hitting news source like the AP or something necessarily. Well, is that a true uh, statement? I, I, I'm is, not a reader, but that's, that's how, the how way it
0: That's the way they've been painted. Now, over the okay. past few years, at least in just my you know, very amateur review of it, they've been doing a lot more substantive reporting, and they've always been that way about New York. Uh, okay. Because that's, that's their bailiwick. Um, yeah. They've always been a lot more deeper in New York than they have about national or international news. Um, the fact that Twitter, a social media site, would suspend a newspaper's account. And again, not just one tweet, not just one post, but the actual account. Mm mm-hmm. It to me that smacks of uh, partisan activity beyond just saying, "Look, uh, this topic has not been thoroughly investigated or debunked yet." This okay. uh, this thing might lead to libel or slander. This may harm somebody personally. This might put a child at risk would be would be a reason that I would suspend a post or that I would block content. If I were a publisher oh, sure. or editor. Twitter went beyond that and said, this newspaper is shut down. This voice is stifled from the okay. American community.
1: That well,
0: that's me ask dangerous. You this,
1: though, as as a cloud social cloud-based social media uh service does twitter have a terms of service that users agree to when they use it
0: oh absolutely and is twitter as a private company allowed to suspend or deactivate anyone's account for any reason yes absolutely and wholeheartedly oh for okay. sure I, okay don't get me wrong okay. i'm not saying so you're not <laughs> taking the
1: the angle of, of of this is unconstitutional and this is a no. first amendment okay. no <laughs>
0: from a le- from a legality standpoint twitter could have said to the new york post we're not ever going to let you on our platform they could have done absolutely and and i'd have no heartburn with that i think this is worse than that this is twitter having allowed a participant in the open forum and then when it came to something that obviously posed a threat to the candidate that twitter preferred chose to act in a purely political manner in Mm. order to restrict conversation among the electorate. Okay. And, and again, let's go So In other
1: words, if you want to paint this in broad strokes, you're saying that Twitter as a California based Silicon Valley tech startup, uh, social media platform leans left, leans Democrat, uh, leans blue and a Right-leaning Republican <laughs> uh, type conservative voice uh, was going to say something against their candidate, and so therefore, the left-leaning owner of the site said, eh, "We're go- we're going to shut this off." Worse for you. than that. Worse than that. Okay.
0: Because nobody's surprised uh, for exactly the reasons you've mentioned, except that Twitter paints itself as being unbiased, objective. Purely algorithmic based. And Mm -hmm. in fact, when Twitter was questioned as to why they suspended the account and why they quelled the story, and it turned out that this was a unified action across multiple social media platforms. Facebook did similar things. Other Mm -hmm. uh, platforms did similar things. Quashing the story. Twitter's response was. We believe this material was stolen, the information, the story about the laptop. We believe okay. the hard drive was stolen or the data was stolen. Our policy is not to publish reporting on stolen material.
1: Okay. Was- so, in other words, they had a, a a clause in their terms of service, and they believed that this this story was the, This
0: terms. was the same week that the New York Times, another New York newspaper. Have you ever heard of the New York Times?
1: Yes, I'm aware. Of the much more respected uh, uh, source of news. Yes,
0: this was the same week that the New York Times was publishing stories about President Trump's tax
1: returns. Do you remember okay. that at all? Oh yeah, yes. Unfortunately, I rem- I lived through the Trump years, yes, and the Obama years, and the Bush years, and yeah. But uh, the, what's the, the circus that was the uh, the tax returns? Yes. And the
0: tax returns could only have come as stolen material because they were not disclosed Mm -hmm. by Donald Trump. And actually having them or publishing anything about them is against the law. But the Mm -hmm. New York Times was allowed to continue to tweet their posts about this coverage without being suspended. So what we're seeing is a two-faced approach to the application of a supposed policy or term. Mm -hmm. And in fact, now, you know, this four year or two years later, the uh, Twitter uh, powers that be and executives have admitted that they made a mistake on their policy and they should not have done that. All of this is to say, this is all just backwards to two two situations, two situations. One to bring it back around, okay. One in a situation in 2016 where false information was put before the electorate in order to advance a political cause or harm a political effort, and then the other one where information was restricted from the electorate in order to Mm -hmm. advance a political cause or to cause harm to a candidate. Both things to me seem disadvantageous to the commonweal in terms of the electorate being able to make fair choices. However, if these are the justifications for having a disinformation governance board as part of our federal government, whereby they would be the ultimate arbiters of what information should appear before the electorate, I think the cost-benefit trade-off falls very much in favor of drag everyone who signed up to the uh, Disinformation Governance Board out to the Potomac and drown them.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so so what you're saying is this uh, disinformation uh, body would have authority over a private Social media platform is that are, are you saying that they would have ultimate authority over something like, uh, social media, Twitter. Facebook, or, or, or have we not gotten to the, to this point yet? And that's where you're thinking that the eventual, this end is of this story will end up.
0: And this is the 3rd aspect of the disinformation <laughs> governance board that I find somewhat. Hilarious and ironic if we still had room for irony in our society after this, I mentioned. <laughs> The fact that it was uh, uh, flew in the face of the Constitution, that the justifications used are somewhat shaky. And then the third aspect of it was that earlier today, or I think it was yesterday, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, that is the parent body. Of the disinformation governance board said, and I should look up the quote, but I'm going to paraphrase said rolling out the announcement could have been handled better. (laughs) Okay. Because it wasn't fully explained as to what this board would do, what the effect it would have would be, what its powers were and the irony. So So in
1: other words, a board that is entirely related to the act of communicating (laughs) <laughs> did a poor job of communicating itself.
0: <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
1: Wow. Do you see okay. why yeah.
0: I love that as irony? <laughs> I mean, if there's any irony left, if we can scrape yeah. some from the bottom of the barrel, that's it. That, that is your, the
1: definition of irony. Your only job was to com- communicate effectively and clearly. Was, and and, and to said, make sure everybody else was.
0: And... <laughs> And you muffed the launch, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a real hard time with this now. Uh, yeah, I, I will say, having worked in the D.C. area, having worked in the federal sphere, I wish I could say I was surprised at this thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember having uh, a discussion as. A uh, Department of Defense contractor with a person, a government employee who had two PhDs and wanted me to explain my perspective, my rationale as mm-hmm. to why having an office in the federal government that would purposely spread misinformation was a bad idea. <laughs> and and I, I I had a really hard time even formulating the argument because I was so taken aback by the question.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I was just so, shocked that a grown so a person, person with two PhDs, a person with two yeah a grown professional with two PhDs, wanted to form a department that was that was intending for spreading misinformation. Purposely,
0: and, and the justification that this person had was that we could use it to mislead our adversaries so that the intended target audience would be foreign actors, right?
1: Right, which already occurs on, a, on, on some level in, in at your, your average everyday security. There, there's always a fair amount of misinformation because that's one way that you catch spies, for instance. That happened a lot in the Cold War. You put and, out 15 and, different plans of the next, the next fighter plane and you see which one shows up in Russian hands.
0: And we've had the voice of America for, I don't know, a hundred yeah. years. I, I mean, we right. already have propaganda, you know, we, have yeah, yeah, that. Right. we, we have yeah. advertising. It does reach globally. Yeah. You know, every, everybody is already told that our products are flawless and that if you drink our frosty beverages, you too will sleep yeah. with attractive people, you know, I uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I I was just absolutely dumbfounded that this would even be a question, that this was a a pragmatic thing that somebody would rationally want to approach.
1: And, you know, that Um, he turned that around in his head for many days before he ever said anything to you about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, this was not a he actually asked. And I don't want to confirm whether it was a he or a she or an it or whatever, but this person—sorry, <laughs> this person—was actually surprised that I had any uh, counterpoint. That 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 I responded negatively to that suggestion. He seemed totally taken aback <laughs> that I didn't think this was an awesome idea.
1: Um, and that, <laughs> I and, and this well, is—you and I took an oath. Of uh, 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 the the uh, honor code of uh, the the school that we both attended, in the very first part of, of of that code, we will not lie. <laughs> that's a, a, number one in the list. And and, and as
0: important as I found that at the time, I would say today, fuck that. I've read science fiction. I just yeah. know that this road doesn't go down to an end state where that is desirable right. for anybody. You know, I mean, that's right. Right. It's just a no really good can bad. Come idea. Of that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and actually all federal employees kind of take an oath to the Constitution as well. Right. Um, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although it doesn't include that verbiage about the 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 honor code has in it. But but yeah, you gotta support and defend the Constitution of the United States.
0: Okay, so I don't know if this is the appropriate episode to bring this up, but you brought up the honor code and the we will not lie thing, right? Um mm-hmm.
1: did you go through Siri? No, I, I bailed out before Siri, but I, but I know a lot about it.
0: <laughs> okay. So part of the Siri program is training, uh, prisoners, of, uh, American service members who could. Become prisoner of wars prisoners of war, how to resist interrogation. And a lot of it has to do with lying or dissembling or deceiving your interrogator. Right, And I always thought, you know. We just joined this organization where for the first year, our every move was scrutinized to the utmost for 24 hours a day. And now you're trying to get us to lie to people in like a professional manner that could conceivably save our lives or the national security. Right, this is right. not the time in our career to actually try to teach us this because, you know, <laughs> we're no good at it. We've lost practice of how to lie, you know. Uh, <laughs> And then yeah. and then even as a, a young lieutenant I remember um being stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada and a lot of people asking me all the time about Area 51 and mm, you know, what's yeah. it, what's it there for what does it do blah 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 I had no idea but that's not the point the the point is at I actually um called up our PR office the the base's PR office and public asked, relations, yeah. Yeah, public relations. And it happened to be one of my classmates from the academy who was the officer uh, on duty who I was speaking to. And I asked her, I said, what what am I supposed to say? What the fuck do you want me to say to the public when they asked me about Area 51? And she said, well, um, you could tell them we have a lot of areas because area is just uh, 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 a space on an air map. Um right. It's just that, a block without lines on a map. Correct. Uh, for, from an aerial perspective, so that aircraft can be routed. You know this because you're a pilot. You know, the, the tower or, or uh, RAPCON dispatches you to a particular area to go and do your flying. And yes. she said, well, we have lots of areas, which is true. The federal government owns about 90% of the airspace in Nevada. And I'm like, yeah, but that, do- that doesn't really ask her the question. She said, well, you can just say. I've never heard of Area 51. I said, yes, but that would be a lie.
1: (laughs) I I have heard of Area 51.
0: I watched The X-Files. You know, I (laughs) live in Las Vegas. I've been to Rachel, Nevada. I know I've read books. I'm not an uneducated person. I know what it is. You're asking me as an an officer of the armed services to lie to the American public. Moreover, it makes me look stupid and culturally uninformed. (laughs) And to anyone paying attention, asking that question, my answer to that in along those lines would make it seem as if I knew more than I did and that I was right, covering right. up for Area
1: 51. It's a confirmation of of all their assumptions that you know something <laughs> if you act like a complete dumbass about something like that.
0: <laughs> I, and I was just—I was flabbergasted that this was the policy, the military. That again, like yeah. you said, I had sworn to never lie. This was what they had come up with, and how lame they
1: were at it. Um. Yeah.
0: So this brings well, us you, all back around. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I was going—I was going to say the—you um, you know about the uh, uh, the the, um, the CIA's uh, Glomar Glomar uh, Global
0: Marine, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, yeah. the, the uh, that was where the they they. Um, I can neither confirm
0: the, nor deny yes. the existence <laughs> of a big ship that's going to pull up a Russian sub <laughs> right. from the ocean floor.
1: The perfect non-answer to anything. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny, which has become a trope in modern, you know, uh, uh, to the
0: uh, point culture. where it's a tacit confirmation.
1: Right, 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 but, I, I
0: mean it's it's just it's so stupid and it's such an ugly veneer, and it's a it's a facade or a fig leaf that does not achieve the purpose,
1: you know what I'm saying <laughs>
0: right, <laughs>
1: oh, all right, Alex Jones, bring this back around to the whole so, disinformation thing
0: <laughs> back to the disinformation governance board, if it's going to be their purview to keep track of what is true on the internet and what is not, because since that first announcement, they've come up with another justification politically. They said this is authorized for DHS under the Cyber Informations or Computer Information Security Act, the uh, the agency that was created under DHS to protect IT infrastructure. They said- they said the wording of that law allows the creation of the Disinformation Governance Board, which it does not. Basically, the mission of the CISA is to ensure that the internet runs, you know, and, and that might have to do with integrity of packets, but not the integrity of the content of those packets, you know, the veracity of the information on it.
1: Uh huh.
0: So if the justifications are as paper thin as they've been so far. And the mission is amorphous, and the duties and powers are as amorphous as they are. I cannot grasp a way for such a body to be anything other than antithetical to freedom and democracy and an informed electorate. Because you can never you're never gonna be able to flag everything as untrue on the internet. And right. even in trying to do so, you're taking a political stance um on objectivity, which yeah. is insane on its very face because nothing that was a fact a hundred years ago is accepted as a fact today, whether it's science, whether it's politics, whether it's history, whether it's whatever it is, and giving the government that power is terrifying to me individually because at the academy, I was a history major. Mm -hmm. And many of the things that historically the United States government has done, which at the time the government has made justifications for and said this is the truth, have turned out to be some of the most vile and criminal acts perpetrated on humanity. From the Tuskegee experiment, and I'm not talking about the same, you know, not the Tuskegee airmen that we lauded at the academy, but the Mm -hmm. purposeful cultivation of syphilis among African American men in the Deep South for 30 years, all the way up to the incarceration of Japanese Americans in concentration camps. And, you know, and I... I go back and forth on this one. You could even make the claim we've been the only superpower, the only country on the planet to ever lob atomic weapons in anger and incinerate yeah. people purposefully. Um, it, 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 you know, it, it, as a historian or as a military person, I, I've long come down on the side that it was justified to some extent, or at least Hiroshima was. Nagasaki might be a little bit more questionable. But yeah. either way, regardless, The fact is that the American government has made its own assertions at every step along the way that the government itself is beyond reproach. And that is a dangerous situation for free individuals to exist in.
1: The ends justify the means. But it's all means. There is no end to it.
0: (laughs) There is never an end. It just becomes more means in and of itself. That becomes right. the end, is seeking more means, right? Yep. Um, let me ask you this. As a devil's advocate approach, could you see a utility to such a body within a federal
1: government? Could you see a, a positive upside to such a thing? I've, I heard the statement several years ago and and i've 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 turned it over in my head many times which is that um the uh um oh gosh i, I want to get the, the the phrase right but the uh, uh the oh gosh <laughs> if, if if you're complaining about free speech then the the solution is more free speech essentially yes yes um, absolutely And, and so if you um and i think that what coming out of this pandemic and stuff what we've seen is a lot of true disinformation that has come out because i i i I, it it got turned political so quickly um and people chose sides and whether you were you know know, for the masks and the vaccines or you were against the masks and the vaccines um as a person of of science as, as a lot of the technical people are i think that you know i i tended towards one side over another but there was so much other stuff that I considered nonsense, that I considered disinformation. But I, uh, I, I didn't need someone telling me that it was disinformation. I'd, and I certainly didn't need the government telling me it was disinformation. I, I had other ways and means. I had my own. Uh, um, there's a, um, a skeptic, a famous skeptic named Michael Shermer, who has a, a technique called the, um, oh, it's called uh, the baloney the detection uh, method. Where you basically, it's just a, it's kind of like the scientific method. It's a way of determining if something is BS or not. So if I see something that I think is disinformation, I have means personally to, to combat that, to, to, find out what the truth is or what I, what I, you know, what I think that the truth is, this sounds like a government overstep trying to protect the civilians, because it doesn't think that they can think for themselves. And on some level, I'm sure that there's a percentage of the population that can't think for themselves. But your question was, can it ever be justified? Oh, gosh, I don't know. So what you're saying,
0: you're saying that this body could act as a shortcut to my normal process of establishing truth or uh, falsehood. That I might otherwise have to exert that I could just go to this trusted third party and, and, and accept them as an
1: arbiter. I, uh, I at least that might've been (laughs) the intent. But yeah, I mean, why people already don't trust the government. (laughs) 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 See, I think, I think, why would this
0: make me trust them anymore? The quote that you were looking for, I think, had to do with hate speech. I think you, the the quote was, the answer to hate speech is not okay. ending hate speech. It's yeah, yeah. more free speech. You know? Okay, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. get the words. And, right. And I agree, with, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I want racists to have websites because I want to know who they are. If they're willing to out themselves, <laughs> great right. That means i don't have to do business with them i don 't have to you know ever interact with them as a human being they've already presented all the evidence I need to know that i 'm not going to listen to what they have to say. I would love to have them expose themselves uh and that's true for many types of speech um, I like what you said and and, and i'm going i'm going to add two points to that one is uh the the baloney approach that Shermer talked about makes me instantly think of certain individualistic fallacies, we are imperfect risk assessors. We know this. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we are generally, as individual humans, bad at measuring what's truly dangerous. Um, And we're way too quick to confirmation bias, where we'll follow an explanation that we prefer to choose whether or not it's accurate or not or yeah, whether it's been proven or whether there's substantiation for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can see issues there, but the converse to that, the flip side of that is a term that was popularized by Michael Crichton. And I forget the name of the term, but it's an effect. It's a particular uh, psychological effect mm-hmm. where if you read the newspaper, and you're an expert in a particular topic, say it's forensics.
1: I know where you're going with this. <laughs> you know exactly
0: what I'm talking about. And you read right. an article about forensics and you see it's riddled with bullshit. And you say, right. uh, you know, this reporter obviously doesn't know dick about forensics, but I'm just going to, I know that that article's not true. You turn the page, you read the next article about something you're not an expert in, and you immediately wow. assume that the reporter knew something about that topic that yes. you don't know and you accept that as true. Yes. And you've already yes. been given evidence that this newspaper <laughs> yes. doesn't know dick about what it's talking about and you know that at, from your own expertise. Um yeah. and I forget the name of that effect, but um having been a reporter, having mm. been a newspaper reader, I know those things are incredibly accurate. I know that yeah. happens all the time. Uh and and it doesn't always happen through callousness. It doesn't always happen through naivete. It doesn't always happen through lack of Malice. knowledge. Some, yeah, sometimes it's actually purposeful. Sometimes those things are added to articles uh for a reason. Yeah. And and There's no way to ever prevent that. And there's no way that I think we should have a body to adjudicate that because that would interfere again with free speech. It would interfere with the constitutionality. I think while individuals are terrible arbiters of what's dangerous, we're, we're afraid of snakes, but we get into a car every day and drive to the grocery store when we're much more likely to die in the automobile than ever get, you know, attacked by a cobra.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, much more much more uh, 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 risk associated with driving a car than with about anything else regarding wild animals, tornadoes, uh, nature, uh, anything,
0: anything anything that could happen. We still get we put our kids on buses with no seatbelts twice a day. Yeah, you know. (laughs) So while we're terrible at that, I still think that the mechanism afforded by Billions of individual humans working in impromptu or ad hoc networks, sharing information faster than any of it could be um, reviewed or edited or uh, verified is still while it's imperfect in its many, many forms is better than a centralized body trying you know in a Sisyphusian yeah. task trying to filter all of that and make determinations of right or wrong
1: yeah yeah i agree um there's the the the, the if, if the one thing that the internet has shown us is that there are stories happening there's news happening constantly all around us and only a tiny segment of it actually makes it to an to a quote unquote legitimate news outlet the, the vast majority of it is just people want to talk about stuff that's happening in their lives or stuff that they see that's happening or stuff that's in their city or their state or their country or whatever and yeah there's no way that a single any single entity can keep up with the sheer volume of of data that's being put out by people that just love to type and and talk and make videos and tiktoks and tweets and twats and all that stuff <laughs> and and
0: i would say some of that information should not be held for any length of time now I say that even yeah. though when we've talked about incident response, we both have said that in our experience, we realize the first seventy-two hours of hypotheses or uh, investigation always turn out to be bullshit. You don't really know what happened until <laughs> five days later, right? It, it right. takes some right. time. To, you have you need some distance to be able to perceive what actually occurred. Even though that's true, I'm really suspicious of any governmental body that would say, oh, I know we have these tapes of these police officers in L.A. beating Rodney King. But before we disclose that to the public, we need to check it first. We need to review it for truthiness, you know? (laughs) I have a real tough time with that. And I think the thing that really kind of rubs me the wrong way about the fact that this is coming out under a Biden administration, ostensibly under the democratic party is that the democratic party has long been linked with the progressive effort over the past two years of defund the police and don't trust these centralized law enforcement bodies because they've been proven time and again to be using force in an unjustified way and then lying about it until a dash cam video gets leaked to the public. And then once people have the video there, you know, now you can't sweep it under the carpet anymore. So it's surprising yeah. to me that a progressive effort or a lib, you know, whatever you want, a left-wing effort to give that authority to the law enforcers, it follows on the heels of, vocally truthfully saying uh, the law enforcers cannot be trusted um uh, anyway that that was my week yeah. uh, and it all started from a band member's tweet
1: uh, <laughs> yeah i'm 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 ashamed i don't know who that uh that that person or that that band was but um,
0: i'll buy you the album uh, if I, if I... anyone can buy albums anymore i don't know how that works
1: <laughs> I, I have a record player. If you if you hand me a, a an album, I will be able to play it. So, <laughs> I,
0: I, I was using album for CD or uh, uh, you know some
1: yeah. recording.
0: Yeah, a recording of some sort. I I will get it. I know I have both their albums on CD somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm um, <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted again. I what,
1: what was the what was the original quote from the top of the of the episode? I'll reread it. Bring... Oh, yeah. Don't bring something to a to a fight. You don't yeah. shoved up your ass.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yes.
1: Yes. Um,
0: yes, that's it. Never bring something to a fight. You don't want shoved up your ass later.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and here we are an hour later.
0: <laughs> I think he said it a lot more succinctly, which is probably why he's a poet and singer. You know, it's. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to add or uh, uh, cap off that that episode?
1: Oh, the, the the only thing that I'll add is something that that came to my mind, and this I'll be succinct with this. Hopefully as succinct as uh, as your quote. Um, the, is the uh, quote that a person is smart, people are stupid. So an individual by himself or herself is generally Pretty intelligent, but once you have a group of people, they can make some pretty poor decisions pretty quickly.
0: I think that's from Men in Black. <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I think, I think it it was that, a person but, is smart. But they have done...
0: People are twitchy, you know, jumpy, frightened yeah. creatures, or something like that. Yeah, the yeah. mob mentality. And,
1: and, and every time I hear some some decision like this coming out of the federal government, it makes me think they just see us as, as these as a herd as, and, and, and they're the shepherd that's tending to us, not as individuals that are capable of of self-thought realization uh, and, and intelligence. So anyways, and that's my take on it. I,
0: I like that a lot. And, and I, as much as I like that quote, I think the reverse is also true. I think many of the individuals I've met have some very faulty thinking. They have some wires crossed. They have very stupid beliefs but as a whole a populace a network of individuals coming to a conclusion through consensus or through I I'll, I'll be I'll say it markets market forces a lot mm-hmm. of the times those things act better independently and ad hoc than any centralized single-brained entity can do with groupthink yeah, yeah. so I, I see it in both directions yeah yeah I'll leave it. I'll leave it with a paraphrase of a quote from Mencken, uh, a, a newspaperman from way back, where he said, uh,
1: "If it bleeds, it leads."
0: No, he said, <laughs> "The American people, in using democracy, get to choose their form of government, and boy, do they get it good and hard." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that right. Oh, That's it. God. That's it for this episode. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Oh. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec.